show set up for today. Um, we're just waiting for our first caller to call in. And uh, while we do that, we're going to go through, Nick and I are going to talk through a ridership study that I found on peopleforbikes.org. And if you don't know about peopleforbikes.org, look them up. They're a cool some, uh, group. They have a petition you can sign that's just, they're trying to unite one million people for bikes. Okay, um, bear with me. Let me get the ridership study. So, what's the group called again? Peopleforbikes.org. Oh, and while I find this study in my handy-dandy smartphone, um, I wanted to let everybody know that we now have a Facebook page. Chicks on Bikes has a Facebook page. There's actually two... There's actually two chicks on bikes on Facebook. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Yeah, it's kind of weird, but make sure you look for the one that's community, and um, you may have to... I don't know how there can be two. Maybe one of the words isn't capitalized. Wait, you, if there are two, does that mean that somebody else is the other one? Yeah. Oh. There are two chicks on bikes Facebook pages. I'm not sure how that happened, but there are. Well, you mean like you're not sure how there can be two of the same Facebook page? Yeah. But there's two of people with the same name. Oh, okay. 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 So here we go. Ridership study. In which of the following types of bicycling have you ever participated? Road biking, mountain biking, triathlon, BMX, cyclocross, and transport. I think I've done everything but maybe cyclocross. And what is your favorite? Transport. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love running errands. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, you, you know, maybe you it, don't have I one. can't. Yeah, I don't. I'm not into big in favorites. Not into favorites. Oh, there's more choices: oh. organized charity rides and other type of bicycling. Hmm. Well, um, like drunken bicycling. <laughs> And the final choice is I don't participate in any type of bicycling. <laughs> but that's not true. Yeah. Okay. What was, I'm sorry, what was your answer? My answer is I, our first caller is Letitia Zavala. She's calling in from, um, I think her cell phone. I'm not sure. She's okay. the mechanic at Flying Pigeon. Um, so what was your answer? My answer is road biking, mountain biking. Uh, I had a BMX when I was a kid, but I didn't compete. I just rode it around. Transport, cruiser riding, organized charity. I like your other. I will do. I've done the other that Nick has done. And I want to start touring. So, but we won't check those off. Touring, yeah, I want to do that. I was reading a great tour blog last night. 
Oh, what what is it? Um, somebody uh, that Johnny Depp uh, Roadblock passed on, who's like going to Arizona over. I don't know. She stopped in Devil's Valley or some or Devil's Peak. Po- or... Devil's Post Pile. No, what's that? Devil's Post Pile is a national monument. Uh, it's it's uh, in the Sierras. It's a huge, really cool geological formation really? that looks like it looks like square columns of stone. I don't know what you call a square column, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah. um, a, uh, uh, oh, I know the word for it, but it's and not there's important. there's tons of them just in a big pile. It's running along a river, wow. and it's on the backside of Yosemite, right near Mammoth. Well, would that be that, would that be on the way to Arizona? It could be. Oh, here she is. No, it's not her. Chicken leather's here, but oh. Letitia isn't here. It's yet. not much of a chicks on bikes. Okay. okay. Good morning, April. Good morning, Chicken Leather. How are you? I'm okay. We're doing a ridership study. Nick and I are conversing our way through this ridership study that I found on peopleforbikes.org. Okay. For how many years have you participated in each of the following? Road biking, mountain biking, charity rides. Yes. Oh, he's... He's not taking it as seriously as we were I taking am. it. But that's not a that's not a one of the choices of answer. Nick. What? How many years have you been riding a road bike? Uh shoot. I don't know. Ten, I'm guessing. I don't know. Didn't you learn how to ride a bike when you were a kid? Yeah, but a road bike. You said road bike, right? Yeah. You don't ride a road bike as a kid, do you? I, I mean, was looking at road biking as kind of like the the first, like the gateway well, all my sport. Life then, I you guess. mean like a license to race? You know, James Bond kind of license to race kind of stuff. I don't know what that reference is. Well, I'm they, sorry. when you when you race, you think that all these guys out there and these these Giros and stuff, they actually have to get a license, just like you would a, a, oh, a car really? license, and they they qualify, and then you. Oh, our red phone is ringing. You, I'm so excited. Is it the president? Good morning, Bike Talk. This is April. Hey, April. This is Letitia. Hi, Letitia. Good morning. How are you? Good morning, April. Doing great. Doing great. It's another gorgeous day here in Southern California. I I can't complain. (laughs) It sure is. It's beautiful outside. Well, thanks for calling in. You want to tell us, um, Letitia, I was announcing you as one of our wonderful guests for today. So, Letitia, I met Letitia at the Flying Pigeon Bike Shop, which is um, I'll let you tell us a little bit about it. Uh, Flying Pigeon is a bike shop. That we uh, feature uh, urban bikes, city bikes uh, from uh, uh, England, uh, Germany, and uh, Holland. Also cargo bikes like Christiania's. I don't know if we're going to be featuring uh, Nihola soon, but I know we, we, we had those uh, not uh, a short time ago. And uh, yeah, it's it's been a it's been a blast uh, since I started of all days April Fool's Day. So uh, it's it's a great shop to be to be at and to feature such bikes that are uh, uh, friendly to folks who who wish to incorporate the use of of a bike for for their uh, errands, whatever they may be, short or long distance. Yeah, I love the slogan on the card: "Was beautiful bikes for everyday people." I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 
Wonderful, wonderful. And what do you do at the shop? Uh, primarily, for, uh, for the time being, I'm, I'm uh, working as a bike mechanic. And uh, I, I do believe so far uh, things have been turning out well, unless otherwise. But uh, doubtful. Um, I'm, I'm working as a bike mechanic primarily, and secondly, um, uh, trying to maintain a, a certain level of of organization. And the, the shop is going through a, 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 a an evolving uh, status of of just making the the shop a lot more uh, visually pleasant and and. Uh, um, there's, there's always products products changing coming through the shop, but mm-hmm. um, that that second. But I know first and foremost is tending to the uh, needs and assessing uh, customers' uh, needs for their bikes. So that's 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 always number one. So right, right. So you're you're a mechanic, and you're sounds like you're applying a, a womanly touch to the shop. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> you know, it's it's it's. It's 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 cool. I mean, the guys are great to work for, and and uh, um, I've just I've just had uh, wonderful times, and in the, in the, you know the hours that I've put in thus far, which is very little compared to what the guys go through. But um, yeah, no, they're great guys to work for. I I feel very lucky that that my commute is not even a half a mile away, and. Um, That's yeah, great. I, mean, I, I it, it's a dream come true in a sense. Um, I mean. I had a crystal ball. If, if there's such a thing as a crystal ball that exists that says you will be doing this at such and such year, I, I, I would have been like, yeah, right, <laughs> and having a blast. So, anyways, I, I just hope uh, and look forward to um, maintaining that level of enthusiasm and 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 happiness working for for uh, the flying pigeon, the shop, the, the, the people that come in, and, and the mechanics that I work alongside with, as well as uh, a salesperson that we have. She's great. Uh, car, she, she's there uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and um, I, I love it. I'm, 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 I'm enjoying it, so I'm, I'm hoping that uh, this will last. Yeah, I can hear your enthusiasm. It's great. It's really contagious. I I, uh, I like your attitude. So um, I want to know uh, how did you start? Where did you learn how to do? Where did you learn your mechanic skills? And um, is this the first shop that you've worked in? Uh, actually, this is the second shop officially. I did a, a, a temporary stint in San Marino, and I at that time. As much as I wanted to, well, it allowed me to get my foot through the door. Um, but I was so stretched between San Marino to Mar Vista to North Hollywood and then here in Mount Washington in terms of work. I, it, it, I just couldn't, couldn't bear the, uh, being in all directions at the same time in a week's time of, in terms of working. And so, unfortunately, or perhaps fortunately, uh, at the same time, it, it allowed me to 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 see what it's like the functions behind the counter of 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 a full service bike shop, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I liked it and 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 pondered would I ever find myself in that position? Could I? And um, well, time definitely has been telling, and I find myself uh, again in a in a uh, wonderful bike shop that's very unique and serves not only the. Uh, the surrounding communities because there are folks who come from as far as San Diego um, to come see the bikes and, and you know wow, get, get to ride and test ride and feel and, and, and folks that are knowledgeable of the bikes which 
uh, I've, you know, as, as time passes, I'm also becoming familiar with the bikes that we, that we feature and sell, and it's, it's, it's awesome. It's fun. Yeah, it is. I, um, I should mention that, um, we had a, such a lovely buying experience. I, my mom and I bought a bike from you guys. Uh, we got her a new orange public um, nice. bike. Nice. Yeah, those are great bikes. And now great. the the John, the mechan- one of the other mechanics at the shop, is building a dream bike for me. So it, it's been a really positive experience. Oh I yeah, yeah. That, that one is yes. That that one is <laughs> like most bikes. It's, it's I see it as a birthing pr- uh, process taking place. <laughs> right. Right, right. Exactly. It's like a new baby born, you know. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to believe that the frame builders out there that that build each frame, you know, get, you know, once they send off their babies, it's blessed with a soul. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's so it's coming. It's becoming. It's it's really coming together nicely. So I, I I look forward to seeing you. Hopefully, I'm there that day, or and or not out to lunch uh, to see you, you know, test ride it. Yeah. Once, once it comes together. But um, going back to uh, working up at bike shops, those those are the two that I can claim and, and where I've learned. Great, great. Um, it, it's, uh, it starts early, early back, way back in the day in a garage at my mom's house. And I recall my brothers, my cousins and my brothers opening up the bottom bracket of a Schwinn bicycle. Wow. And all the ball bearings falling all over the place. Uh-huh. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I guess that's where the training begins of uh, peeling your eyes for, you know, re- recovering all the ball bearings possible, the, the bottom bracket together. And then uh, I must have been 9, 10, 11 years old, but never really hands-on. And uh, But at least visually, that's, that's a beginning marker for me. And then uh, in... Uh, 2007, I believe it was 2007, I went to uh, United Bicycle Institute and took a two-week uh, Cromali steel brazing class, and that was, oh, wow. that, yeah, that, that was a blast. I tell you, it's, it's in my interpretation, as well as uh, my perspective, uh, still is, it's amazing to see lugs and tubes come together and form a bicycle that is not only, uh, 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 to me, uh, functioning art, but you can ride it and it just does not sit on the wall. Um, There's something, I mean, again, it's my perspective, but it's something that I really appreciate and enjoy that, you know, people take to to the bicycle and, uh, you know, choose to ride it in the rain if they so choose or in the sunshine that we... we, uh, we seem to have plenty here in Southern California, but and then um, uh, insofar as the mechanics go, um, that started in the spring, spring into summer of 2006. Uh, I'm sure most uh, I'd like to believe that most folks who who know the bike oven that was uh, started and, and founded by Joseph Bray Ali, and he's been a tremendous uh, asset and a contributor to the community and. Uh, He's just uh, a, 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 a gifted person with uh, some some wonderful ideas, and is not afraid to grab it by the horns and run with it. Yes. And uh, it's 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 a good example to to identify. And uh, at the same time, you know, if, if not without the folks who who uh, listen and and uh, help alongside, you know, it's 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 wonderful to see the community come together. Uh, it's it a is. great thing. Yeah. It's a great thing. So. Um, yeah, what else can I help you with? <laughs> um, I wanted you to talk a little bit about the rides that go out of the shop for a sec. 
Yes, um, we have at the shop two rides, uh, two, two, two rides that I, I believe are consistent. Uh, the first one is the Get Some Dim Sum ride. And that happens, I believe it's the, uh, the uh, third Sunday of every month. Um, I, I, I think, I think that's the one. And then there's a spoken art ride that also starts from the shop. And I think that's the second, I, th- I think that's the second, uh, second Saturday of the month. And then there's also the brewery ride, and that's on the first Saturday of every month. Okay. So actually it's, it's, uh, officially two during the day, but spoken art, um, is actually starts in the evenings, and I believe the meetup is 6.30 p.m. And, um, yeah, so the brewery ride is the first Saturday of the month, actually. Then Spoken Art Ride is the second Saturday. And then third is the uh, Get Some uh, Dim Sum Ride. And Unfortunately, I, I must, at, at, I'll be honest, I, I have not been able to partake of the brewery or the Get Some Dim Sum Ride. Uh, um, I'm usually left behind <laughs> because I'm, I'm working on, on folks, on, you know, on, I'm either building new bikes fresh out of the box or um, I'm I'm working on on uh, the the people's bikes that that you know are needing attention or mechanic uh, 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 um, fixing uh, fixing people's bikes. So okay. <laughs> it's one or the other. But it's it's always great to meet the folks. They they come into the shop and they they see what we have and and the interaction is is has been great thus far. And and uh, that's 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 that you know other than just being a bike shop, it's nice to have these. Uh, um, uh, rides that that involve the community. Mm-hmm. And and would you say that all levels of riders are, are, are present? I know you said uh, you don't go on them, but you see them come through the shop, or you don't oh, go yeah, on them well, yet. I, you know, I sure I would be. I, you know, I, I place myself in their 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 shoes, be it you know uh, CD shoes, Shimano shoes, or just ordinary shoes. Uh, if if I were on the other side of the counter and going for a ride, shoot, I'd just be as in a pleasant mode <laughs> to be going on this ride. But I'm just as happy, you know, uh, with you know working alongside with with John, or you know, have you know working on a bike on the stand. Um, it's it's been a pleasant mode for every, for every bike gathering that I've seen for for these rides. It's it's been great. Wonderful. Well, um, we have to wrap up in a few minutes, but Chicken Mother has a question for you, so I'm going to pass over the phone. Hang on. Okay. I, I don't know if you touched on it, but you took a class in welding. Can you tell you tell me how learning how to build a bike from like the base, the bottom up, so to speak, from just like tubes and and. Um, and, and other, you know, what we would consider scrap metal or, or from the elements have helped you to, to be a better repair person? Um, you know, for me, it started with not so much in the, uh, it, it, it doesn't actually start with the, the, the uh, building the bike frame together. Um, a, a habit of mine, um, which I'm refining as time goes on, is an overview of the bike as one wipes it down, gives it a cleaning. Uh, it gives you a, a better insight, you know, an, a, a good close-up overview before actually starting on the bike. And but insofar as building it from from scratch, uh, I think it's, in my opinion, I think it's uh, important to draw draw it out uh, on a drafting table because it it helps you mm-hmm. establish. 
establish and form what kind of writing feel one wants. And it's either nimble or fast or leisure. And depending on the angle and or, or the degree of the angle of the front fork as well as the seat tube, the more relaxed it is um, uh, in terms of angle placement, the more leisure of a ride, the more slower of a response the bike will have. The sharper the angle is, the more upright the fork is, as well as the seat tube, you will have a very fast, responsive uh, uh, bike. Yes. Very, so interesting. I never, listening to you talk it through, is it, it makes sense to me, but I, um, yeah, I never really thought about that. Sure. <laughs> That's what they call the geometry, right? Yes, yes, thank you. Yes, <laughs> you nailed it on the head. Thank you. Yes, so it, it plays a very, I mean, that, that's one of the critical parts of the diamond frame that, that plays a very critical part. And, you know, the, the, the bicycles that we have at the shop, um, again, those, those, those ge- geometrical angles play a very important part on having that uprightedness and not so much as a lean forward mm-hmm. as we are accustomed to in the bikes that are plenty here in the States. Because we're so geared to let's go fast, let's go for it, climbing up hills, you know, if we need to, we, we, you know, we're, we're equipped for that, we're geared for that. And I'm ever so grateful to to be in a shop where we feature these bikes, where it's more of a relaxed mode, and you're not leaning up against your wrists or your hands are taking so much of the pressure, as well as the seating position, and and you 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 get to take in more of your surroundings on the city bikes that we feature at the shop. So, yeah, it, and, and so, yes, uh, insofar as a frame builder, uh, my preference, and I believe my preference will always be the 4130 Cromoly steel. Uh, there's that saying that steel is real, uh, and indeed it is, but it is the workhorse of metals that's out there. Um, but there are other fine quality metals, you know, such as Reynolds, uh, they have a r- variety of tubes, um, and, and, uh, oh my gosh, Ishiwata, um, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of other metals that I, I've, I've been exposed to and, and, and have had the pleasure of, of seeing them being built visually at, uh, at UBI. But, um, I mean, there's many metals, types of metals. There's, there's titanium, there's, there's aluminum, there's carbon, but I, you know, it's, it's a matter of preference as well. Mm-hmm. So, Great. but, 4130 for me, folks. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. Maybe we'll have you on another day to go deeper into to that topic because you've got a lot of knowledge. Yeah. Um, we actually have to wrap up because we have another caller coming calling in, excuse me, at 1030. So I wanted to Absolutely. thank you so much and um, I'm sure, sure it's I'll my see pleasure. you soon. It's our pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for featuring uh uh, my comments and uh, I get to uh, promote uh, Flying Pigeon and uh, hope to see some more folks come in and, and uh, test ride what we have at the shop. Thank you so much. Uh, if I may quickly announce, we are at 3714 North Figueroa Street, Los Angeles, California, 90065, and our phone number at the office is 213-909-8986. If not, uh, flyingpigeon-la.com. Thank you so much, April. Thank you so much. Radio. You're wonderful. Have a great Guys, day. Have a great weekend. All, All right. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi. Okay, we're back. Um, so we're waiting for our second caller to call in, and I'll make a quick announcement about You're listening to Bike Talk.
Good morning, Bike Talk. This is April. Oh, April is Peter Zeitlin. I was uh, told to call you at eleven thirty. It was busy for a while, but I just got through. Oh no, no, you're 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 calling us at ten thirty. This is perfect. Oh well, one thirty our time in Boston. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. All right. Well, good morning, Peter, and um, thank you for calling. I was just going to make an announcement of of who our next guest was, and and that's you. So I just wanted to introduce um, the author of a wonderful book. We're going to talk about for the next uh, maybe half hour, Peter Zeitlin, and he wrote a, a great book um, called Around the World on Two Wheels. Annie Londonderry's Extraordinary Ride, and um, I just got the book, so I've started reading it, and I, I absolutely love it, so we'll, um, I guess, let you, uh, my first question for you is just, you know, you want to share a little bit about the book and how you, I know you're a relative, and I won't spoil that, but um, introduce yourself, please, to everyone, and just tell us where the idea came from. All right, well, um, I mean, I, I'm an avid cyclist myself. And um, in the early 1990s, received a letter from a complete stranger who was doing some research about a woman who he said had ridden around the world on a bicycle in the 1890s. And he believed, based on some research he had done, that my family might be related to her. Um, This was completely out of the blue. We had no idea who this woman was, never heard of her, Uh, asked around. None of my older relatives had ever heard of her. She seemed to have fallen into a black hole somewhere. Huh. And uh, he sent me a few newspaper clippings that, that he had found about her. And from the information in his letter, it was clear he found the right family. But it was pretty puzzling to me why no one in our family would have heard about a, you know, a family member who'd done such a remarkable thing. But I put it aside for well over 10 years. And then one day sort of got bitten by the bug and decided to see if I could figure out who she was and uh, you know, find out more about her story because it, it certainly sounded intriguing. And that put me on a path for four years of what became fairly obsessive research to track her all over the world. Um, fortunately for me, one of her great talents was um, a knack for self-promotion. Uh, she was a brilliant publicist, uh, probably a better publicist than she was a cyclist. So she she left a trail of newspaper coverage about her travels strewn all the way across uh, North America, Europe, uh, parts of Asia, um, the Far East. And um, and that's largely how I was able to piece her story together because um, despite my efforts, no diary uh, ever turned up. Um, okay. And, and that's, the, that's the basics of it, of how I got onto the story anyway. Okay, and and did you see a book immediately when you started to do research, or was it more of a personal? Well, well, you know, you journey? never know if you have a book until you you've accumulated enough material to make it, you know, to justify it. Um, I certainly didn't know that at the outset. I hadn't. I really had no idea what I would find. Um, you know, where the trail would lead. Uh, part of my research involved trying to track down other. Um, long-lost relatives of my own who might know something about her. Um, and for that reason, one of the key pieces of information that I was after at the very beginning was to figure out whether Annie, um, the cyclist, had had any children because if she had had children and they had had children, 
there might still be somebody alive today, I figured, that either knew her or knew about her. And for nearly a year, with the help of a professional genealogist, I tried to track down the answer to that question. Now, it, it turned out fairly early on from some of the newspaper accounts, we learned that at the time that she left Boston to go around the world by bicycle by herself, um, she was married and had three children under the age of six. Right, which, which is, was amazing that she they could leave she could leave them during that era and, and she had the support of her yeah, husband absolutely. to go Absolutely. I mean in fact for I think a woman a woman of any era, um, you know, this, this would be an eyebrow raiser, especially with kids of such a tender age. It was certainly unheard of in her time. Um, but <clears throat> while that information at one level was a little disturbing. You you know, you sort of wonder, well what you know, how could she just literally disappear from the lives of these kids for fifteen months to take a jog around the world on a bicycle? At the on the other hand, for me as a researcher, it was encouraging because if those children had children, I thought, you know, maybe that would be the key that would sort of unlock this mystery. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. after about, you know, eight or nine months, I did find Annie's only grandchild still alive living outside of New York City, and she had known her grandmother. She's my distant cousin. She had a lot of uh, information, and it, and, it, and it really sort of brought two branches of our family back together, too. Wow, um, that's but I was able to, Yeah, but I was able to tell her almost as much about her grandmother's trip uh, as she was able to tell me about her grandmother, because she really didn't know. She knew about it. It was something her grandmother spoke about all her life with great pride, but she did not know a lot of the details um, about the trip. And I, at that point, had learned a lot about it. Um, so it was, you know, I could say, the, you don't know you have a book, as I said, until you've got, you know, a certain uh, massive material. But as I tried to track her around the world and realized she was leaving a trail, a very rich trail, of contemporary newspaper clippings, um, you know, I began to get encouraged about the idea that this, you know, could be a book. I mean, it started as an article for Bicycling Magazine um, and then grew from there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe uh, you could talk a little bit about some of these antics. I know she was a, she, um, well, I, I love how the, the journey started, and I won't, won't spoil right. it. Um, so. Well, you know, how ostensibly how it started, and I say ostensibly because one of the intriguing things about pursuing this story was how difficult it was to sort out fact from fiction, in part because Annie herself uh, was a great fictionalizer of her own life story. Right. And um, ostensibly, the trip began, uh, was the impetus for it was a wager between two wealthy Boston men who were debating the question of women's equality, which was, at the time, a subject um, very much... Um, uh, in the in the public debate, uh, in public debate, and since only a man had previously ridden a bike around the world, right. that was Thomas Stevens in the 1880s. The story goes that these two men wagered whether a woman could undertake such a feat, and somehow plucked from obscurity was this young mother from Boston um, to, to try and accomplish the, the, the task, and there were certain conditions attached. She had to do the trip in 15 months. She had to begin without a penny in her pocket and earn her way around the world. And, and that's important because, you know, at a time when women 
uh, equality and women's rights were, were being fervently debated, that really turned this journey not only into a test of a woman's physical endurance, but of a woman's ability to take care of herself or fend for herself alone in the world. So she had to be quite entrepreneurial, um, you know, as, as well as uh, physically accomplished. Um, uh, so that was ostensibly the origin of the trip. I don't want to ruin the end, of, you know, what I ultimately concluded about that for people who might read the book. But so it ostensibly started as a wager. Um, and, you know, if it has a familiar ring to it, you can imagine that it was only 15 years before that Jules Verne had written Around the World in 80 Days, um, which sort of captured the public imagination. That was fiction, of course, but you know, this was a time when round the world travel really captivated the public imagination because it was becoming uh, more accessible to more people as transportation improved and as you know, communications technology improved. The world was becoming a smaller place, and uh, you know, it was sort of part of Annie's genius to kind of seize on a lot of these powerful social trends of her time, uh, you know, the women's rights movement, um, public interest in international travel, for example. So she really kind of knew, um, you know, for a woman who was interested in fame and fortune, which she was, uh, she really knew how to kind of you know, uh, play all the right notes uh, for a public, to, to make her enterprise interesting to the public. Do you think that her interest for fame and fortune preceded the journey, or did it evolve out of the journey? Oh, I think it very much preceded it, and I, you know, although it's interesting, some people who've, who've read the book even, ref, you know, will refer to her, to Annie, as a suffragist, but she really was not a suffragist, and she was not active in the women's movement of her era. Right. Um, I don't think she was out to make a statement about women as much as she was out to, um, uh, first of all, get out from under, as she, as she said, you know, get the ch- her children out from under her apron. Uh, she really wasn't cut out for motherhood, and I think she was, frankly, looking for an escape from uh, the circumstances of her life. Um, so she didn't, you know, set out to score points for women. What she really did was she kind of seized on the women's movement for her own purposes. She right. kind of knew she could ride those wheels, so to speak, um, and it would advance her purpose. But I think she was just, uh, you know, you always wonder what, what is it about certain people um, out of the millions of us that will cause one person to sort of be able to step step forward and then step outside um the norms of the time in such a dramatic way. And, you know, maybe part of it's genetics, part of it's environmental, but she had a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, nerve, um, or chutzpah, you know, the, the Yiddish word. Absolutely. Uh, you know, she had a, just a tremendous amount of chutzpah, for, especially for a woman of her time. And um, I think the trip was really more about, um, you know, trying to improve her material circumstances, you know, when they sort of earned some money. Um, and, and she did earn a lot of money from this. Uh, from well, this yeah, she did earn money, and you know, we haven't touched on this yet. But one of the things that she was quite savvy about um, was advertising, uh-huh. and she was the first, as far as I could tell, only she and Annie Oakley, um, who was you know a contemporary of hers, uh, made some money uh, par- parlaying their sort of athletic prowess into endorsements. Uh, Annie Oakley, for <laughs> right. example. 
uh, you know, did ads for the same bicycle company that, that my aunt Annie did, which was the Sterling Bicycle Company. But Annie, my Annie also found a very clever way to make money as she rode, which was to sell or essentially rent parts of her body and her bicycle for the purpose of allowing advertisers to stitch small advertisements onto her clothing or placards onto her bike. So she was a real, among other things, a real pioneer of sports-related marketing for women, uh, First, one of the first women to do it. Um, and it was one of the ways that she earned you know, the, earned money as she traveled. Um, and, she, you know, there are descriptions of her arriving in towns like Buffalo, New York, or Tucson, Arizona, you know, literally covered from head to toe uh, with advertising banners for, you know, products ranging from bicycle wheels to perfume. Um, so she was, you know, she was quite creative and, and quite outlandish. I mean, you know, she would arrive in town this way, um, carrying all these banners, Later in her trip, wearing men's clothing, and, and and also later in her trip, riding a man's bicycle. So she was quite a spectacle, and I think um, that's what she was all about. She was all about making a spectacle out of herself. Mm-hmm. And and didn't she uh, was she known to I won't say fabricate um, oh, you can images? Say that. I mean, <laughs> why not say that? Because I mean, as I said, you know, as I, as I went about pursuing her story. At the beginning, I simply accepted what this fellow who had written us a letter said, which was that, you know, some people believe she's the first woman to ride a bicycle around the world. And I started to try and piece together this journey and found that the parts of it weren't really adding up. So, um, you know, at first that was a little disturbing, but when I kind of learned more about her character, her outrageous character, and, and her willingness to sort of almost do and say anything, um, often in a very impromptu way, um, I began to sort of sort of have a newfound fascination with who she was. And, and uh, you know, she wasn't just somebody with, you know, strong legs to pedal a bicycle. She was quite creative and inventive in her enterprise. And she absolutely made up stories as she went. I mean, often went to going so far as to tell completely different stories to two reporters in the same city on the same day, um, you know, apparently not even caring whether she was putting together a single coherent narrative of her own travel. Um, mainly because <laughs> I think she's number one. Yes, I, mean, she, I think she wanted to please her listeners or the readers. She knew that reporters were very eager for good copy. And so she was absolutely without qualm about, you know, making up all kinds of stories about, uh, you know, her her life being threatened by bandits, for example. Now, that was quite possible, but when you, as I pieced it together, I came to conclude that many of her stories were just fanciful. Mm-hmm. Always, you know, she was always sort of, you know, hanging from a bridge, grabbing onto her bicycle as a train roared overhead, you know, having narrowly escaped, you know, the death on her bicycle. So this was kind of the way she operated, you know, and um, so... You know, I ultimately came to the conclusion that although, you know, she probably doesn't, you know, didn't deserve credit for, for literally riding around the world, she still did ride several thousand miles uh, over 15 months, fended for herself alone, um, you know, clearly became a very skillful and strong rider, and, and I know that by, you know, reading accounts of 
male cyclists who rode portions of the journey with her. You know, sometimes she would be accompanied by members of bicycle clubs in Europe or, or in the United States. Um, but, you know, she made a trip around the world. She rode her bicycle a lot, but I, you know, I ultimately had to conclude that, you know, would we by any standard say she literally rode around the world, even making allowances for ocean passage? Probably not. But she was she was more of a P.T. Barnum type character. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think her, her entertainment value and her approach to the whole ride is something we could all learn from as a, a really nice approach to living. Um, well, you know, I think in retrospect, it's kind of, you know, it becomes sort of this charming rogue. Um, you know, I, I speak to, to groups about her trip, and you, know, you get very interesting reactions. I mean, um, very often I speak, you know, if I speak to a group of older women, they can't even get past the fact that she, she would leave her children uh, for 15 months, uh, you know, or leave her husband and children behind for 15 months. And, and in fact, uh, her kids, I would say, paid a significant emotional price for their mother's abrupt absence and her sort of detachment, the kind of detachment that would allow her to do that. Um, so she wasn't, you know, I mean, as I say in the book, she, she wasn't, she did some heroic things in certain ways, but she didn't always act heroically. And, um, you know, I think we sometimes expect our icons or our heroes to be pure, you know, and uncomplicated. But most of us exist, you know, live with certain ambiguities and tensions and contradictions. And she was a bundle of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um... So what what role does Annie play in your family now? Is she is this story part of your living family life, or, or uh, how, well, how, how does it? How well, does it that's exist? an interesting question. Um, I mean, she became a very big part of my own life. I mean, um, I write in the book that, that right around the time I started researching her, um, I was diagnosed with a serious illness, which I'm fine now. But I sort of took to my own bicycle as a way after surgery to get my strength back, and and um, you know, and, and, and as I, since I was so immersed in the story and the writing of the book, I sort of found like you know, she was kind of on the back seat of a tandem, you know, an invisible tandem, uh, riding with me, so to speak. I mean, I really did kind of feel, I don't mean to be too metaphysical about this, but, she, you know, she really sort of assumed this presence uh, in my life. And, um, you know, I've collected all kinds, whatever I all kinds of artifacts of her life, which I found from her granddaughter, which decorate my office and so forth. Um, you know, my, my my wife and my kids live this with me as well. My kids were younger, and, and you know, as kids will do, you know, they would roll their eyes whenever the subject came up again because they were tired of hearing me obsess about it. Um, and the nice thing is that I've kept up contact with her granddaughter, who, as I said, is now, you know, in her late 70s, and... Um, you know, that was one of the more emotional pieces uh, of this because Mary, her name is Mary, she, um, for decades, had felt that it was her responsibility to somehow bring her grandmother's accomplishment to light, um, you know, as her only direct living descendant. I'm, indir- I'm an indirect descendant. She was my great-grandfather's sister. Um, but Mary, you know, when I finally got a- found her and wrote to her and she called me, I mean, I think we both just had you know, chills went up and down our spines, and she was so excited that finally someone had found this. You know, she was doubly cheered that I was a distant relative. 
so she was, you know, for her it was really important and meaningful that someone had come along, you know, late in her life to tell her grandmother's story because she was she loved her grandmother, um, Annie. Her grandmother lived until 1947, and Mary was 16 when Annie died, so she knew her quite well. And um, you know, so, so for me that was really nice, you know, to be able to. You know, to do this for a distant relative I had never met. Sure, sure, and, and yeah, I'm obviously honor her, but to to uh, to contribute something so huge to your family—that's great. It's really yeah. And, you know, and I think that you know, see, you, you, on the one hand, you could think, well, what what is this story? You know, what does it matter outside of you know my immediate family knowing that we had a relative who, you know, had had these her found her fifteen minutes of fame and in the 1890s, but I do think that Annie's story, with all of its complexity and, and all of her own fabrications about it, still stands as a really informative chapter about women's history in this country. And, and what I think a lot of people don't, don't know, and I certainly didn't know until I started researching it, how important the bicycle was to the to women's liberation and to yeah, absolutely. The suffrage movement. Um, you know, women were taken to bicycles by the millions in the 1890s. Right. Um, cha- challenging a, and, and upending a lot of social expectations about, you know, female propriety along the way. It changed the way women dressed because they, they, they had to find new practical clothes for, for, you know, riding this new machine. And, you know, there's a lot of testimony from people far more famous than Annie, such as, you know, Susan B. Anthony and uh, Elizabeth Cady Stanton, some of the real pioneers of the women's movement, you know, testifying to the impact of the bicycle on the way women thought of themselves, on the physical freedom that it gave them. Um, And in a sense, you know, I mean, women literally, in a sense, rode bicycles to freedom in, in a way. Um, it, it was a very important symbol of the women's suffrage movement. So, you know, Annie came in many ways to, to epitomize that. I mean, her story really, in a microcosm, is the story of a lot of women uh, of her time. And that's where I think the significance of it lies. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I do, I love that the quote by um, Susan B. Anthony. Anthony. Yeah, the bicycle has... Done more to emancipate a woman than anything else in history. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I think, you know, there were a lot of women, you know, look, a lot of people followed Annie's trip through the newspapers. I mean, she was kind of like the reality television stars of her, you know, of her day, obviously before television, but people followed her, you know, through the newspapers. And, um, you know, she was no doubt an inspiration to a lot of women. Um and, and I think she realized that and she took advantage of it. But at the end of the day, who knows how many women, you know, read about her, saw her, crossed her path, and became inspired by what she was doing. I mean, I certainly know that's happened now after the, you know, the book came out and I hear every, you know, from people, uh, I've heard from a woman on Facebook who's riding her bicycle around the world today. Um, and just feel so connected, you know, to this woman from more than a century ago. Um, you know, we all stand on someone's shoulders, I guess. Sure, sure. Well, you're very lucky to have such an 
charismatic, powerful woman in your in your genealogies. We have to wrap up soon. I wanted to see if there's um, anything else you wanted to talk about or mention. Um, no, well, I don't know. I um, you know I, I just want to maybe mention a contemporary example of you know finding empowerment on bikes. I mentioned this to um, your producer. I think that um, I have a neighbor here whose husband was killed on 9-11, and she began riding her bicycle uh, from ground zero to Boston on, on the anniversary of 9-11 to commemorate that. Wow. Uh, basically reversing the course her husband flew. And a couple of years, you know, several years ago, she learned about the plight of women in Afghanistan, who she felt, I mean, with my friend Susan, she felt so lucky to have the kind of support systems in place and the financial support of, you know, 9-11 Victims Fund and all that, and she realized that there were that tens of thousands of women in Afghanistan who were also victims of terrorism and war, and she started a foundation called Beyond the 11th to support women's programs in Afghanistan, teaching women how to be entrepreneurial, teaching them, uh, you know, basic health and hygiene and building community centers uh-huh. so they could come and learn these things. And, you know, she, and women in Afghanistan who are widowed have no rights. They lose the rights to property. They lose the rights to children. So um, if people want to, I would urge people to check out beyondthe11th.org. On the 10th anniversary of 9-11, Susan and I and about 40 other riders are going to go pedal from ground zero back to Boston to raise money for Beyond the 11th. And it's, uh, you know, for Susan, I think it's, you know, the bicycle, here again, is an example of the bicycle as an implement of power. And I think for Susan, it's been both therapeutic and it's so important to, you know, to have this in her life. Um, at the, on 9-11, by the way, she was pregnant with her third child. I mean, this is, you know, wow. a woman who suffered significantly and then pivoted in the most remarkable way to direct her compassion outward, you know, to the country where the plot that killed her husband was hatched, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I often think of Susan when I think of Annie, because I think of women finding, you know, both their, their solace, their independence, and, you know, certain mm-hmm. sense of empowerment on sure. the bicycle. So I just want to connect that up that way and give a little plug to Susan. She's an amazing woman. We'll have to follow that journey. Oh, right. Uh, one last question, and then we're going to let you go. Is there a yeah. movie planned on this amazing journey? Well, I can tell you that um, there's a documentary that's been in the works for several years. Um, I'm hoping I, I, it's being done by, not by me, but by a, a filmmaker in Washington. I'm hoping it'll be done by the end of this year. And I, I also know that a screenwriter from the New York area has written a screenplay based on my book. Uh, this would be you know, a fictionalized version. Sure. But, you know, it's always a million-mile journey from a book to to a movie. I'm not holding my breath, but, uh-huh. you know, a couple of things are percolating. Okay, great. Well, we'll look out for it. Sounds okay, wonderful. Cool. It was really nice to talk to you and um, share your story. Thanks for calling in. And, Thank you, April. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again in the future, hopefully. Okay. All right. Thank you very Have much. Have a nice weekend. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a wonderful second caller. Wow. Pretty amazing story, huh? For him to find that out and and then uh, be able to find all that information and make a book out of it. I I think it's amazing that people research that well. Everybody forgets what kind of an asset a a library is, but 
it, it seems that he actually was able to get that from some uh, more valuable first-person accounts, which are which are always uh, kind of forgotten about until you go back and look at archives or, or recorded information. Um, it's it's fantastic to see things like that. That um, I, I know that uh, people like. Um, um, I mean, some of the great documentaries have been based on, on just accounts or, or letters or, or things of that sort where you see the first person in the thralls of history and how, the, how they interact, the individual interacts on, on, a, on that level. Mm -hmm. It tends to give it a, a human face to history. Oh, there's our next caller. It's Bike Talk here on Kill Radio and KPFK, the webcast. Good morning, Bike Talk. This is Chicks on Bikes. April, how can I help you? This is Larissa. Hi, Larissa. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I haven't announced your project yet. We just hung up our, our last caller. Um, so Larissa is a student at UCLA, and she is doing this really cool project called Bike Beats Car. I'll let you uh, explain it. Uh, sure. So Bike Beats Car is a social media campaign aimed at trying to get people to bike to work. Um, so basically it's um, going on through our website right now at bikebeatscar.com. It started up on the 16th at the beginning of Bike Week, and it's um, going on all the way until Tuesday, and we're giving out prizes for people to essentially um, walk two ways each of their commute by bike and two ways each by car. So we're having them time their bike commutes and time their car commutes to show them that biking can actually be faster than driving for urban commutes of seven miles or less. Wonderful. And, uh, yeah. So how's it going? Um, it's going really well. Uh, we've had um, we've more than doubled our registration over the past week, and we've gotten a really good turnout. It seems like a lot of people really are saving time on their commutes, and I've gotten some, some comments and some discussion going on um, both on Facebook and Twitter about people sharing their stories and People saying that they really are able to bike more because um, because they're you know forced to record their commutes and see how much time they're actually saving compared to other people. So. <laughs> and uh, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh no, what, what were you going to ask? Where did the idea come from? Uh, well, the idea was um, well, it's sort of sort of twofold. Um, more directly, um, this is something that I came up through, with through my internship with um, a team of two other interns. Um, I'm interning currently at 1X, which is an independent ad agency, and um, we're all UCLA students. I'm in a third-year undergrad, and essentially I was told that, you know, I had to come up with um, this socially positive media campaign, and I could do whatever I wanted, and, you know, I've always been really passionate about biking, so um, the original inspiration was sort of mine, because um, I thought back to my internship the previous summer. Um, I was interning... Um, at a record label in Santa Monica, and I would go three and a half miles, and I would bike there, and it would take me, you know, about 20 minutes. And what I found was a few times I actually got rides from my friends, and um, it would always take, like, 45 minutes, maybe more. Thinking on the bus, it would take, like, 45 minutes to an hour to get home because of all that traffic, and I would just bike past all these cars, and I thought, you know, a lot of people, they have bikes, they have cars, so they just don't add the two together. They don't realize they can actually use it for more than just recreational riding on the weekends. So... I thought this would be really cool to do, um, and the other interns were, were sort of on board for it. So it's sort of been a collaborative project with all of us um, to sort of put this whole thing together and make it work in a fairly short time span. Great, 
great. Well, I know I've recently realized um, commuting from, if, well, it's like a four-mile ride. I, I, I realized this. I kind of always had this feeling living in Los Angeles that these short trips take so much longer, especially during typical commute times. Um, but, yeah, I, I just figured this out myself. It's it, uh, it's very frustrating if you're in the car. Um, so what do you hope to do with the with Bike Beats car in the future? Will it happen again? Uh, well, you know, I, I would definitely like to. Uh, we've had, like I said, a really good discussion on, um, on our Facebook and, and Twitter, and I really, really enjoyed getting more involved with the bike community before. Um, you know, I've, I'm a very active biker. I bike at least 10 hours a week, usually more. So um, I definitely enjoy doing that, and I will continue to post updates occasionally when I find the time, although I'm sure not quite as often as I have been during the challenge itself. But I would also love to, you know, repeat it next year if I can find sponsors. Um, the reason I was able to do this this time was obviously through the help and through the funding of 1X. They've been very generous, but, um, you know, if I'm able to find sponsors to help out with, you know, prizes and stuff like that again, then, I, you know, I would love to do it next year for Bike Month as well. Great. Uh, so, do you live in West LA? Yes, I do. I live around um, Westwood. And what is it like riding your bike in West LA? Um, you know, it's 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 enjoyable. I mean, minus the fact that the streets are pretty much like full of craters and giant cracks. But right. <laughs> as long as you know where they are and you're you're sure to avoid them, it's pretty enjoyable. Um, I definitely feel like, you know, as a student here, and I think this is true of a lot of UCLA students, you don't really get to see and explore the city until you you know, you have a car, because that's sort of the, the kind of place that L.A. is, and me not having one, you know, having my bike sort of allowed me to actually see, but in a hands-on way, you know, it's it's very different when you're in your car and your, your windows are closed, and you're just, like, going from point A to point B versus when you're actually immersed in the environment around you and you're seeing, like, not only where you're going to, but everything along the way and appreciating the weather and, you know, it's, just, it's very calming, really, and... You know, that's why I'm really, really encouraging more and more people to do it because it's been so rewarding for me, and I want to share that. Yeah, it's. I've always said it's my most favorite lens through which to view the world. So you're a UCLA student. Yep. And you're graduating soon. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up here? Um, I didn't, no. I grew up in the Bay Area, um, in East Bay. Okay. So, um, and then I came here. So, again, that's sort of why the bike was sort of my way to explore the city because the first time I went to L.A., I was at colleges, like, thinking about where I wanted to go. And so it was just, it was all very new to me. And I I really liked exploring it so far, and I I hope to stick around for a while. Okay. I was going to ask you your, um, I lived in the Bay Area, too. I was going to ask you to compare the last community, the last cycling community to, to this one. What are your thoughts about the differences in cycling in the Bay Area versus Southern California? Um, you know, I, I'm not entirely immersed in the, in the cycling community up in, up in NorCal, but I, I do know that I think, I think it's pretty strong up there. I know, for example, Critical Mass got started in San Francisco, and um, definitely where I live, um, back home in the East Bay, it's, it's a lot easier to bike around just because well, for one thing, the roads are more put together, and we have a trail that literally lines the freeway and goes for, I think, at least 20 miles, if not more. There's really good connected um, trail systems that pretty much follow along the lines of part, the route of transit up there. And I wish we had that in L.A., and I think that's what they're 
at least attempting to come close to by at least you know starting to build more bike lanes with the LA bike plan. Yeah. So that would be nice to see. Um, but the, the cycling community here, I I hadn't realized until I started this project how big it was. Um, if you actually like look, you know, on the internet and you just look around you, like they're they're everywhere. There's constantly these organized rides going on through the Night Radaz or you know LABC or just everywhere. As long as you know where to look for them. Do you have a favorite ride? Do you want to plug while you're on um, the phone? <laughs> Or on the radio, um, excuse me. You know, the, the first one I tried was actually last night at Critical Mass, and I thought that was really fun. I, I don't know how many people were there, but it felt like thousands. I could not see where they ended, either in front of me or behind me. And it was, it was just kind of awesome being able to ride on Wilshire completely, like, just bikes. You know, right. It was, it was just astonishing to me. I was like, crap, because when I, when I try to bike there with, with regular traffic, it's like I'm afraid that I'm going to, you know, get hit by some people sometimes. But I, I would encourage that. I mean, really, any any of these massive rides, especially Critical Mass or any others, um, it it really feel it makes you feel more connected to others who are around you, and it's very rewarding. And it's just fun, you know, people where you know you might have nothing in common except for the bike that you're riding on, which tends to be a lot more in common than you thought it would be. How did you feel about the police presence last night? Um, I thought they were good. I mean, I'm I'm supportive of what they do. Um, my other my other job actually entails doing um, parking lot patrols as a CSO for UCPD, and I do that on the bike too. So I definitely support what they do. Um, okay. I know it can be really hard, but sure. um, you know, I, I, some people say it's made it more tame, but I think it's also made it more safe. Uh-huh. There's not many people, especially given the amount of young people there. I think that it's good that they're there to keep things under control, make sure nobody gets hurt. So you felt safe. Yeah, I did. I did because they were there because they're lining um, the the side of the street, well, uh, on our left, pretty much the entire way. Um, there were there were the bike cops and the ones on the motorcycles, and they would you know use their speakers to yell at people if they went from the sidewalk or whatnot. But um, they they seemed like they were they were pretty friendly and, and cool about it. You know, I had a conversation with a few of them, and they they're, they're pretty supportive. Maybe we have some listeners who don't uh, know. Can you tell us what the route was? The, the route? Yes. Um, you know, critical mass, um, as I'm sure a lot of people know, is, you know, thousands of L.A. writers that just meet from wherever, and they meet at um, the last Friday of every month at Wilshire and Western. And um, their route is not the same every time. I've been told it, it changes a little bit every every time they do it, but they generally end at Wilshire, at, not sorry, um, at Western and Sunset. So it seems like they, for us, at least we took sort of a, a western route. Like, we sort of looped around. We went south and then, like, west. And then we ended up all the way in Santa Monica and took a break. And then headed back east again. So, I mean, I was actually able to veer off to west with the ride ended at midnight. Because I know for some people, at least for me, like, I didn't want to be 12 miles away from home um, at midnight. But it was still, I was able to ride for them for, like, three hours. And it was, I met a lot of really cool people. So... I would encourage that to a lot of people. They, they cover a lot of ground, so you're able to sort of join in as long as you start with them because, again, they don't follow the same route. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Great. Well, uh, is there anything else that you wanted to add about Bike Beats Car? Well, maybe you could tell us, um, so if people want to sign up, that you want to talk about the, the website and how it works and uh, share a little bit about the prizes? Yeah, definitely. Um, so there's definitely still time to sign up. Just because it's running on Tuesday, that doesn't mean people should be discouraged. Um, you basically, we are giving out um, a 
few bigger prizes, um, including we're giving out three sets of bike racks and panniers for people who don't have them. Um, and we're also giving a $150 value um, full bike overhaul from Pizza in L.A. And, nice. Nice. yeah, they're just, you know, cleaning the entire bicycle, doing, like, full tune-up, just, like, the entire works, basically pimping out your bike. Um, so Did you say that was online, the Pigeon? Yeah, it was Pigeon, pigeon Bicycles, yeah. Wonderful. Um, Go Pigeon. <laughs> yep. Yep, they're... Um, flying Pigeon, right? Yes, Flying Pigeon. Right, the Flying yeah. Pigeon. Yep. Check them out. <laughs> so we're giving out that, and basically you just need to log your commute, and we're also judging our prizes based on um, our discussion on Facebook. We've been asking, like, questions, posting news updates, and we've had a lot of our users, you know, posting and sharing stories. So um, if anyone's interested, I highly encourage it. You know, start today, tomorrow, um, do it soon, and you might just win a prize. And um, talk to us. We'd love to hear from you. And how do they win? Is it uh, just a random drawing? Or? No. Um, we're doing it. Um, we're doing sort of a holistic judgment. So um, it's one based on the number of commutes they log. Okay. Um, and the other thing is their social outreach, which is determined, like, one, by, you know, the fr- referrals that they have from other friends, see if they're spreading the word to, nice. and two, whether they're participating on um, Facebook and Twitter and, you know, discussing these bike-related issues. And how many participants do you have? Um, you know, we're, we're, we're going really fast. Um, I know we, we're, we've definitely, like, popped over 50 so far, um, but... As of now, I'm not entirely sure where our numbers stand, but that's where we were um, earlier, earlier, earlier this week. So um, I expect us to keep growing, and I, I hope people continue to register because it's a, it's a really, it's a fun thing. It's been really fun for me and for the people involved so far. Great. Um, someone's passing me a note in the studio here. We have a question. We want to know what can you fix on a bike? What can I personally fix? Yes. Um, I can. When the chain gets stuck. <laughs> when your chain falls off? <laughs> when the it's chain falls off. Um, I, I put on the lights on my bike. I know how to how to fix the brake theory, although I've never actually done it. Cool. Um, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty intuitive about figuring stuff out, but I would definitely take it to a bike shop if there was anything serious that needed to be done. Now, there's a lot of resources for people in L.A. if they want to learn how to fix their own bike. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure I'll end up doing that. I actually I just got my, my free tune-up from UCLA's Bike to Camp this week, so it's pretty, I'm pretty set with my bike right now. But, um, yeah, I would definitely go the cheap route because I want to learn how. Cause it's one of those things that once you have the skills, it sort of sets you up for life. Uh, we have another question from uh, – is that – oh, I'm going to relay. Hang on. Are you, tell me your title for this bike, bike patrol you do for school. What is it? I'm a CSO. It's a community service officer. Okay. So in this context, as your CSO, um, can you tell us what you do and are you familiar with the infrastructure uh, around school and kind of how safe it is or how it looks or how it is to ride around school? Um, yeah, actually, um, all CSOs. Um, are required to memorize the map of Westwood. So, like, everything. I know every building as, as useless as or any buildings that I've, like, never even gone to. I know what they are. And I know all the parking lots. So, um, CSOs in general are here just, they're sort of like the eyes and ears of the UCPD. 
Mm-hmm. So the idea is, you know, if you if you see sort of crime, we're there to overcome the bystander effect. And a lot of people do um, sort of the walking night escorts, and we have people set up in buildings too. But I am exclusively on the patrols of parking lots to sort of try to watch out for people who look like they're about to case laptops or, you know, anything really if I see anyone hurt, like a report a traffic accident. Um, but in terms of the actual infrastructure of UCLA for biking, um, it's, it's pretty bike-friendly. I think UCLA was named, like, got some, some awards thing one of the most bike-friendly colleges. Uh, we have bike lanes everywhere. I know um, you can't bike on Bruin Walk itself, which is the central walkway that goes between North and South Campus, but everywhere else. Like, I bike to class every day, and it's like 10 minutes instead of 20 because UCLA is huge <laughs> to bike classes. So, yeah, um, it's a huge campus. Yeah, but the, the roads are good, though. Um, good. There's no, there's no, like, it's not scary to ride around. I'm not afraid my wheels going to get stuck in something. Good, good, good. All right, well, we have another caller um, coming in shortly. Uh, Larissa, thank you so much. This is Larissa of bikebeatscar.com. Check it out. Is there any else, anything else you want to say to wrap up real quick? Um, just, just get on there and register. Check us out. Um, again, we'd love to have more participation. It's definitely not too late to sign up. Great. All right, we'll do that. Thank you so much, and we look forward to hearing more about your bicycle advocacy in the future. Thank you so much. Okay, have a great day. You too. That was another great caller, Larissa Uh Klitsky is her name, Klitsky, and that's bikebeatscar.com, and here is another caller. Wow, our phone is ringing off the And you're listening to Bike Talk on KPFK. Hi. Hi, this is Arisha. Hi, Arisha. This is April of Chicks on Bikes. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. What's going on? Well, I just um just calling in. <laughs> okay. And uh are you doing any rides this weekend? What's going uh, on? Well we're riding to a friend's wedding, which should be exciting. <laughs> it's um a friend who's part of the bike kitchen, so a oh, lot nice. of people will be riding, yeah. You you said you'll be riding to the wedding? Yeah, definitely. Oh cool. With my and husband we're gonna do a tandem ride actually. Is that a, a long ride? Um, no, we're riding probably to Echo Park area, Silver Lake, and then afterwards downtown to um, Union Station. She's having her reception over there. So it'll be nice, though, with a group of people. It'll be fun. Well, that sounds great. Everyone will be dressed up <laughs> with heels on and at least the girls. Um, I am getting past a note here. Um. What is your involvement in LA biking now that you've moved on from the LACBC? Well, I actually I've become more involved in sort of um, women on bikes because I think often women are not represented as much, especially in the media, in our advocacy, in the That's credit great. that we get. So, I mean, I it's a little bit more behind the scenes in terms of just what I'm noticing and the kind of appreciation and, and credit that women get versus men and so that's something that I've become it's always been on my mind but now that I'm not sort of at LACBC having to represent an organization mm-hmm. it I, it's just becoming more and more obvious to me that women need more you know women have basically I feel like done so much for 
bicycling and bicycling, uh, bicycle advocacy in LA, and and we don't get the credit that we deserve. I think, and this is probably a phenomenon that happens nationwide, but it's very obvious here in LA. And, you know, if you talk to other women in in the bike community and you know doing advocacy, it's something that like we're constantly fighting against. So right, yeah. Well, that's yeah. what this show is is, um, which is I mean I wouldn't say there's a feminist slant to to the my thought process behind the show, but just more celebrating women and bikes. Exactly, uh, just, celebrating just and that, appreciation so. and empowerment. Exactly, feminism always has a bad connotation, even though it shouldn't. <laughs> but I think the empowerment of women and you know recognizing our role and celebrating it is great. It's necessary. So do you have any plans to, are, are you going to put a, a women's group together, ride, or do you have any plans you want to share about this? Um, we've talked about doing rides. I, I'm actually in school right now, so I, I don't have time. I haven't had time, but I'm graduating soon, so perhaps that's going to be on my, Congratulations. On my to-do list soon. So we'll see what happens, but um, definitely part of, you know, encouraging people to write blogs and... and things like that so it's it's just it's sort of an idea phase there are already people doing it and it's a matter of just you know either supporting and and representing when I do have the opportunity to speak in public forums and in media to just sort of highlight that um, element of it as well sure sure well we'd love to have you come in Um, I would love to have you as a guest if you are free um, doing this show the last Saturday of, of each month, you could come in and spend as much time as you want just talking and expanding on your on, on what it is where the mission that we share. Um, yeah. So we'll have to see time-wise, but so you're going to this wedding. That sounds like fun. Yeah. Any other bike adventures planned for the summer? Um. Day by day, my adventures happen these days, so I'm not quite sure what other. We're not doing any. I'm not doing any big rides, planned rides, um, other than that. So yeah. What about music? Planning any shows? Um, shows. We don't have anything planned. We may be playing on Monday at a work party, but nothing. Everything is sort of on hold, <laughs> just so I can get through school. Um, but, so we're not doing any, I'm not doing much playing these days. I have to do a, rec- I'm going to be doing a, um, a recording for my, for a film. So I'm going to be working on that. So, so uh, Nick and I are planning a benefit for Bike Talk Radio. Uh, I guess we want to invite you, um, not I guess, but I was just thinking <laughs> uh, right now, we'd love for you guys to play, Telematique to play um, at our benefit. If you're free, we don't have a date yet, but it's going to be a, a nice party this summer sometime. Well, we would love to. Hopefully the date will work out because um, we may be traveling a little bit, but um, we would love to, always love to support by talking what you guys do over there. Cool, cool. That's excellent. Good news. Yay. Yeah. Uh, well, is there anything else you want to share? Um, I just love that you guys are expanding and adding, you know, the chicken and bike element. I think it's been needed and, and great, so keep it up. And uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Cool. Thanks so much for your support. Enjoy your ride and and the wedding, and have a lovely weekend. Okay, you too. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This is Bike Talk for Kill Radio and KPFK on the web podcast. Pob webcast? Web web, web podcast. Web podcast. Web podcast.
Actually, she really defined uh, that position over there at LACBC. Up until then, I have to be honest, it was just sort of like milk toast. They had no kind of teeth to it until she got behind it, and it was like, you know what it was? I think I think it was the anonymity. You always knew that it was just a group of people, but you didn't know who the, who was really down there until she got down there, and actually, it was you'd call up, and it was her email. On she was the, like the Annie Londonderry of the LACBC. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, she was the, the I, I don't mean incendiary person, but she was like the person that actually got things started there. I, I remember at least the last year or two that it it really seemed like. Hey, you're, there's a person connected with all this change, which was actually really good. And I was sorry to see her move on on a personal level. But anyway, we're now, go ahead, April. Oh, I think we're going to take a little musical break before our next caller calls in at 1130. Thank you, everyone. And just to tell everybody, last week, Kill Radio uh, volunteered as part of their mission statement over at the, Silver Lake Jubilee, and we're able to report that not only do we raise some much-needed funds for the station, but we met a lot of people, including some people that want to become future DJs and have their own shows here on Kill Radio. So wow, look forward to that great. in the future. Yeah. Absolutely. So we're sharing the studio and we're having a whole lot of Woo-hoo. fun. And I want to thank all of my amazing Collins. Such a great episode. Wow. There's okay. the phone again. There's the red April. phone. 
Good morning, Chicks on Bikes. This is April. Hi, April. It's Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen's calling for a Bay Area check-in. Jen was on our first episode of Chicks on Bikes. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Um, Is Nick there? Nick is here. Hi, Nick. And Chicken Leather's here, too. Oh, hi, Chicken Leather. How are you guys doing? Great. Great. So I've been listening. Your show sounds awesome. I'm so excited about it. All these callers are fabulous. Right. It's been a really great day. We miss you, though. I know. We wish you were here, but we're really happy that you're calling in to give us a a shout-out. Absolutely. I wish I could be there, too. So what's going on? How's the weather? Oh, it's San Francisco. It's actually pretty nice. It's sunny. There wasn't too much fog this morning. Um, Pretty nice. Pretty nice. Good, good riding weather? Um, I think so. It'll it's probably be windy later. But, um, oh, yeah. For the most part, it's, just, it's good riding weather. The afternoon wind always picking up in, in San Francisco. Definitely. Um, wow. So you had some really great things. I was really impressed with Peter, the author, and Londonderry. Right? Isn't that an amazing story? I thought you, yeah. would, you would like her. Totally. You know, I, I hear it myself twice. Is there any way to stop that? Yeah, turn down your computer. Um, I'm not in the same room. Let me see. I'll turn it down. She's not in the same room. I think you have to turn it down, period. How's that? We don't hear uh, echo. Do you still hear an echo? Yeah, I still do. Is it all good? Um, no, but I'll just go with it. <laughs> nice to hear myself twice anyway. <laughs> what if you go in the kitchen? I'm, I'm in the other room, actually. It's still, it's still happening. But the one thing I wanted to say that really struck me is such a sweet image. Um, when Peter was talking about um, using the bicycle as a recovery um, and how he had that image of mm-hmm. riding the tandem, Invisible tandem with with Andy. Right. So sweet. I had this like that Im- immediate vision, like total picture. Really sweet. Yeah, it's really an amazing story. His his website. Um, I'll maybe I'll announce it again before we hang up, or I can get it. It's in my phone. Um, the book is great. I've just started reading the book. I'll give it to you when I'm done with it. But it's a really cool story and. And uh, I just love her approach to life and how she didn't take this whole journey so seriously in a time when, yeah, the the collective um, cycling world was really growing, but she didn't even know how to ride a bike when she started. Yeah. <laughs> she took a couple of lessons. And that's awesome. Isn't that's that inspiring. You know, you can do it. Anybody can do it. It's true. It's great. <laughs> And just her, like, cutting-edge attitude, you know, just that when he was talking about her use of, um, like, sponsorship. What a, you know, what a great idea. Yeah, her sports-related marketing. (laughs) Something, you know, we're both putting our toes into. Definitely. Um, definitely. Yeah, super cool, right? I'm just picturing this woman in wool knickers riding a a fixed-gear bike. With tons mm-hmm. of stickers all over her. <laughs> totally. I mean, and that was a time when, like, women wearing pants was still a new concept. You know, really amazing. 
We've come a long way since then, huh? Can you imagine riding a bike with um, one of those big Victorian dresses on with all those with the hoop, hoop the skirts and the layers? And no, I can't. She definitely needed some pedal panties. Totally, totally. And I still like sometimes get caught up in my chains from time to time. I'm like, with a hoop skirt, my God, it'd be dangerous. So how's pedal panties? Pedal panties is great. We're uh, we're just doing some production on a new color, red, which is exciting for us. Red ready panties. Everybody loves red panties. <laughs> I have my pedal panties on right now. And it's a great color red, too. Yeah, really good. And we have the, uh, the ruffled back panties. Those are doing well. <clears throat> so, yeah, you know, we're just kind of gearing up. We do a lot of events up here in the Bay Area, and uh, we're kind of putting our events calendar together, which is fun. It's just fun to go to these bike events. So I'll see all kinds of people. You know, it's, it's always good. Were all kinds you of people able- riding bikes. Did you see the tour go through the Bay Area? Um, I didn't catch it, no, but I was following it. Uh, and that's just how amazing it has that exploded. You know, the first um, the first year they barely publicized it just to kind of get it, like, I'm guessing, just to kind of get work the kinks out. And it, it went through San Francisco and then through Sausalito, where I was working at the time. And it's just exciting, you know. So maybe it'll be like a, a ladies tour of California at some point. <laughs> Another good idea. Another good idea, yeah. So you have your event calendar together, or no? We're we're putting it together. It's in the works. It's in the works. The Are there yeah. any events going on up there that you wanted to share that either you're involved with or not involved with? Um, well, we're we're not really we haven't finalized anything yet. So there's always some fabulous thing going on. In fact, last weekend was the Maker Fair. Um, it's kind of interesting. This is like a, a topic that I'm, I'm like on the fence about. It's the whole electric bike thing. Right. Have you seen a lot of a lot of electric bikes popping up in LA? I saw one recently. I'm glad you're bringing it up because I, I thought, hmm, that's interesting. You can have yeah. to cover so much mileage. <clears throat> yeah, and interestingly, like the purist in me at first was like, bah! Electric bikes. But you know what? Then I started thinking about it. And if people are going to use it instead of their car to go do errands and whatnot or get from here to there, like, great. What's wrong with yeah. that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's more, more bike riding, less car driving. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. But they had a whole bunch of electric bikes at the Maker Faire. Oh, Does did? the Maker Faire go to L.A.? Do you know? I think it does come to LA. Yeah, yeah. I think it does. I think it does. It's a cool event. I recommend going if you can. We'll look it up. Yeah. And we had our San Francisco Bike to Work Day the other week. That's always fun. Did you bike to work that day? Of course. Yeah. Well, it could have been your day off. I mean. I know. Actually, several years I've missed a bike to work day because it's my day off, but. But unfortunately, I, I work the Thursday was a bike to work day, and I don't work until, I don't start until 3. So I missed all of the pit stops, coffee and bagels and stuff. That's okay. It's so exciting. There are loads of people on the road, lots of cyclists, which is cool. Was it you who sent me a, a YouTube video of, um, it was like a, 
accelerated video of cyclists, this one intersection. I think it was in Holland or something. Did you send me that? I didn't. Oh my gosh, it's great. It's awesome. It's just like, like, can you send it to me? (laughs) Yeah, let me see. I'll, I'll try and find it. Um, but it's really cool. It's just so many bikes. It's like, pick any intersection in LA for cars and switch them out for bikes. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, there's actually bike traffic going on in San Francisco. I think I read somewhere that there's like a 60% increase in people riding bikes in San Francisco. Wow, that's great. Yeah, the SF Bicycle Coalition is doing a really great job. Every time I get on the road, it seems like there's another, um, what do they call it? They're like dedicated lanes or like to paint the, the ground green and uh-huh. there's often like a barrier between the cars and the cyclists. Oh, it really I makes want to encourage difference. you to be unsafe, but maybe you could take some of those pictures from the sidewalk and email them to me and I'll put them on the Chicks on Bikes Facebook page. Oh, totally. Yeah. And it just, they're doing such a good job. But LA Bicycle Coalition, um, is that what it's called there? They're doing great yes. work too. LA is growing so fast. For cycling. Chicken lover's shaking his head. He has a... Which way? Um, he's <laughs> Up and down or left or right? Left or right. Now he's doing <laughs> diagonal. <laughs> now he's laughing. <laughs> Is he having a seizure? Yes. He's having a little tiny... No, he's not. We shouldn't make fun of seizure. People have seizures. <laughs> <laughs> he's not impressed, huh? <laughs> um, do you want to... In the last few weeks, Los Angeles and Metro have had a fight over whether to uh, make Lemert Park, which is an historically uh, historical section of Los Angeles, but uh, it's economically depressed, and of course it's black too. So there's been all this uh, back and forth kind of rhetoric over why why they're not letting a Metro do do a station there. And in fact, they were talking about funding. Um, the Expo Line, which was going to increase some traffic uh, as a uh, corridor between the east and the west, is now uh, not on hold, but it's been delayed now for yet another year. I remember two, three years ago during Bike Week riding the route and finding it very nice, but now they're talking about for safety for kids maybe putting in an underground system near uh, some of the high schools, specifically Dorsey High. Okay, I'm going to let you get back to April now. Oh, thanks, Mother. Hi. Hi. Thank you for the break. I got to have some water. <laughs> um, I, would you be interested in telling us a little bit about your experience with getting into cyclocross in the Bay Area over the last year? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, well, through cyclocross, I learned about it just a few years ago and immediately was fascinated. Um, but if you ever watch a, a race, they look kind of gnarly. They look kind of intimidating. It looks like pain and suffering, but um, it also looks really fun, if that makes any sense. And so last season, finally, I just, you know, got it together and said, I'm doing it. Uh And um, I started with the clinic. Um, The Zella girls offered a a clinic, which was really helpful. And then I did uh, my first season last, last year. It was really super fun, and I actually used a mountain bike. And so I'm in the in the market to buy a cyclocross bike, which is very exciting to add my my arsenal of bikes here. Um, but yeah, it's really fun. It's really and the, the more I learn about it, the more I find other a lot of 
a lot of women who are doing it too, which is really exciting and great. And actually, the Psychocross Single Speed World are being hosted in San Francisco this November. Hey. Yeah. Great. Maybe we'll make a trip up there and do a remote broadcast. Definitely. Definitely. So, okay. It's, yeah, it's, I think it's it's like one of the most, uh, well, what do you call it, like a fast-growing in popularity sport. Um, especially, I think, in the Portland area where they have to, like, close. Um, they have, like, a limited number of people that can register because the courses are just, you know, they can't accommodate so many people. Right. Which means there's more people that want to do it than there are space to do it, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. That's not the case in San Francisco just yet. Who are you, who's the group that you were riding with last season? Um... What do you, I was just kind of racing solo, not not associated with the team. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Not okay, yet. so it's easy I'm to do that. I'm a free agent. Free agent. I'm marketing myself for uh, the team, so anybody who's interested, get in touch. So, uh, but it was easy for you to not be part of a, a group and still It compete? was, um, it, definitely. I mean, it, I think it would, been, it would be nice to be part of a team because there's, like, that group support and, you know, there's people to train with and ride with. But, um, yeah, it was really easy. I mean, they make it pretty easy. You just show up on the day and register and, you know, they kind of walk you through it and, and then the gun goes off and off you go. <laughs> What's the entry-level course like? Um, so it's the same. They're all the same courses, and it's it's uh, it's laps, basically. So they're all the races are timed. So it's either 30 minutes, 45 minutes, or 60 minutes. And so the gun goes off, and you just you, you go lap after lap after lap. And then when the leaders pass the start, you know, kind of close to the, the end time, they shoot the gun, that's the gun lap, and then everyone just finishes. So they do time it, but it's more like first place, second place, third place, you know, that sort of thing. Okay. So, yeah, it was really fitting. In my best race, I finished fourth. Yes, I remember that. It was a big For deal. For women's seas, which is <laughs> intro level, which is great. We get to race with the junior boys and girls, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting. There's like 15-year-olds, you know, they pass me, I pass them. <laughs> makes it, makes it <laughs> kind of humbling. Adds an, another level of, of uh, energy to it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But it's, it also, it's a great way to start because it is intimidating, you know, getting off the bike, getting on the bike, getting over the, going over the barriers. But, you know, there's kids on the course too, so you're like, hey, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, it's kind of a nice way to get rolling into the whole sport. So if somebody wanted to get into the sport, what advice would you give them? Oh, I, I think absolutely start with a clinic. Um, because you, you, it's something you can figure out on your own, but with a clinic, it's just so much easier. Um, they kind of break down how, it, how how to do it, basically, and what you need to do, what you can expect, and um, that's definitely, I felt so much more confident after the clinic than before. Um, but there's so many groups, groups online and, you know, training rides and stuff, um, so... Or they can call in on uh, Chicks on Bikes radio show, and we'll answer all their questions. Right. 
Right. Exactly. Um, we want to give you a, a pedal panties plug. Can you tell people where to get some pedal panties? Absolutely, yeah. So um, our best retailer right now is an online retailer called Panty Salad. Panty Salad. Panty Salad. Oh, they're so great. <laughs> so, And they've actually ordered some red pairs and some uh, ruffle back pairs, which only come in black, actually. Um, but you can get them. They should be receiving those in the next couple of weeks. So PantySalad.com. You can see a 360 view of the panties. Check it out. Cool, cool. Yeah, awesome. Well, I know I want to let you get on to starting your day. Is there anything else you wanted to, or continuing your day, I guess. Um, <laughs> is there anything else you want to talk about before we let you jump? Uh, well, I really just want to thank um, Nick and Vitaw for having us, and KPFK, really awesome. I'm just so excited for the opportunity to have this uh, venue for Kicks on Bikes for us to talk about our staff. I'm so excited. Thank you again so much. Yes, likewise. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Nick, <laughs> and thank you, Chicken Leather. All right, and I wish I was there. Oh, wait, one thing I wanted to ask you is um, the benefit for Bike Talk. I want to go. So as soon as you get dates, let me know. I want to come down for it. Okay. Well, we're, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking on, on all of that. Hopefully end of July. Um, okay, cool. I think we'll is what we're posted. playing around with, so... Um, yay, more more Jen. Maybe we can time it around a show, and you yeah. could come be on the show again. That would be awesome. I would love that. All right, my dear. Have a All great right, thanks weekend. Again. Have a great day. Have a great holiday weekend. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye. And you are listening to Bike Talk here on Kill Radio and KPFK on the Wed Pub. The pod web webcast. I think yes. we're going to have another musical break right now. Get real comfortable. You beat them on the pedal. And everybody, when your body bass do the treble. And everybody now, be wetting anyhow. You dance for the people, them. Aha! Messing me some Trinidad. Spontaneous, let me go. Because everybody wants to see the new. Almost done with the show. Bike talk. Boy, this has been great. So um, Nick is reading this bike blog called Flying on the Seat of My Pants. Um, you can check it out at flyingonthenseatofmypants.blogspot.com. And I want to ask him a few questions about this blog. That's uh, It's a woman, and she's a cyclist. And take it away. Well, um, her name is Michelle Appel, and I found her through my um, Facebook, well, through Bike Talks Facebook, and she's um, on the uh, way to Arizona, and she's she goes like, she's just writing about the last ride she did, which was 113 miles up up a mountain, and then she had a 20 mile uh, all downhill part, and it just sounds cool. And is she saw a uh, mountain lion? 
Where is she going on this journey? Um, to visit her family and friends in Phoenix. Okay. And she by herself? Yes. And what kind of adventures is she having? Um, well, there was a sign at one campsite that said, um, you know, there's, they're treating the hikers for, that have been scratched or, or bitten by a mountain lion with, for rabies. Oh. And then she saw a mountain lion. And, huh. uh, I don't know. You know, I, I don't know if I can really capture the, the blog. It's okay. We're going to ask you more questions. Um, so Michelle Appel, maybe we can get Michelle to call in. I, I uh, messaged her, so maybe she'll get back to us. So she, day. do you know what kind of bike she's riding? Uh, let's, let's see. see. I think that's her in the middle. Um, let's see. Bike, We're bike, looking bike, at bike. the here's her bike at the blog, as we a surly. Oh, she's riding a 2011 surly cross check. Okay, let's read what her entry. Here's uh, everything she has. I'm riding a. Oh, this is great. Let me read this. I'm riding a 2011 surly cross check. I have since streamlined with one handlebar bag and the sleeping pad and bag fit with everything else into two panniers. One of them is this awesome backpack pannier thingy from Ortlieb. I love it. I have with me, here's her list, map, notebook, phone, camera, lights, U and cable lock, first aid kit, Allen key set, wrench, levers, tubes, lube, toothbrush, wash scrubby, camp towel, sunscreen, tank top, capri pants with riding short briefs, cycling shorts, a t-shirt, pants, and a top base layer, cook pot, stove, cup, utensil set, tent, sleeping bag, pad, lightweight, oatmeal, chill mix, usually beans and veggies of some sort, water, usually at least a gallon, postcard making materials, though I haven't had the time yet. All total, her weight is 35 pounds. That's it? Seems she really low, doesn't it? Yeah. The, what about uh, fuel for the stove? She didn't really say. Yeah, she didn't mention her fuel. Mm-hmm. Well, she's an inspiration to me. I want to get into yeah. do some touring when I get this bike. Looks like she took off from the, the from Southern California. Yeah. She's a There's a picture of Michelle next to the beach. Looks like maybe that was her first ride. Like Manhattan Beach or something. Manhattan Beach. Cool. So you plan on getting into doing some bike camping? Uh, maybe. Yeah? I where, guess. Do you know where you'd go? Because I um, don't really know where I'd go yet. I'm just kind of entertaining the idea. East? Do I drive somewhere and then ride? Or do I leave from my home? Yeah, good question. Because, um, you, you yeah. know, LA's really big and it's not very pretty. Well, it's I mean, really controversial. It lo- <laughs> yeah, no. That is pretty controversial. <laughs> but uh, it's it's not long to get out of LA, though. I mean, it's true. Get out of it in a couple out in an hour. East, so you'd want to go to the desert. Well, her ride sounds nice. Oh, it's very hot. But I was yeah, just in Arizona, and it's really hot. I could like, is it possible to ride at night? And you think, and just sleep during the day? Yeah, I think if you have lights, sure. Absolutely. Okay, so then there's north and south. You can't go west. You, right. You can. Well, you could. I mean, yeah. We, we could just go to Santa Monica, and then <laughs> we have to camp somewhere in Santa Monica. It would be a short. That'd be a yeah. good starter trip. Yeah. But there's nowhere to camp in Santa Monica. Well, they have a, a really liberal homeless policy. Um, well, there's Dockweiler Beach. 
That's a beautiful ride, by the way. Uh huh. Carpentria. Um, Thornhill Broom is another campground. That's oh, phone call. That's not our red phone. Um, that was a good show today. It was a good show today. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I would wrap up and say some thanks to all of our callers again. I'm going to thank them individually. So Letitia Zavala from Flying Pigeon, amazing. Thank you for being so positive, and you really started off the show with great energy, and, and your shop rocks, and you rock, and thanks for the call in. And then who did we have? Um, and then we had Peter. Yeah. And then we had Peter Zeitlin, who um, is the great grand nephew of Annie Londonderry and his book is called um, Around the World on Two Wheels and um, I've just started reading it but I think everyone should have this. I'm sharing my copy so I can't share it with anyone else but get this book. It's great. It's um, it's a super fun read. Um, after Peter, so thank you Peter and um, he has a great website. You can check out his website and I guess he's available for speaking engagements too um then we had larissa who did who was talking about her bike beats car campaign she has an amazing website actually um so go on her website and sign up to do the bicycle commuting challenge um and then we had arisha and arisha was kind enough to call in and uh ad lib um and thank you so much for sharing our uh, philosophy behind the show and for calling in. Orisha, thank you. Enjoy your weekend. And then we had Jen. And Jen is our Bay Area check-in, and she has a nice company called Pedal Panties. Um, Pedal Panties are a lovely cycling panty. I have mine on now. I rode my bike here. They make your commuting so much more comfortable. And you can find them at pedalpanties.com. That's it. They for don't me. have men versions too. No, they don't have men panties yet. But I think they I don't know what's in the plans for them. I can't speak for her, but they know they get asked that a lot. Mm-hmm. No uh they maybe you could get a large pair. I don't know. No. <laughs> so thanks everyone for an awesome episode of Chicks on Bikes number two. Please check out our Facebook page. It's brand new, and there's two Facebook pages for Chicks on Bikes, but um, I'll try to resolve that somehow. I don't know. Make sure you look for the one that's the radio show community page based out of Los Angeles, and you can send me messages there. If you want to be on the show, just email me. How are you going to resolve that? I don't know how I'm going to resolve that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Numbers? There's two pages. There's yeah. T- yeah. It's yeah. weird. Well, we'll have to fix it. I'll fix it somehow. I, I don't know. Or we'll just live with it. Absolutely. Um, numbers? Did you say something about uh, numbers? No, I, I was I was just thinking that uh, we there's a couple of rides specifically tomorrow. The Chopacabras tomorrow. Uh, that's noon. Noon real time, not noon hipster time. Over at Atomic Cycles in their parking lot. All sorts of events, including the promised... What is it? Trailer Park Extravaganza Ride, uh, Demolition Derby, Battle Royale, and, of course, a community bike ride around the valley. So that's tomorrow. And then a week from tomorrow is what? Why, of course, it's the L.A. River Ride. Oh, that's yeah. coming on. 
It's not their fun day Sunday. It's everyone's fun day Sunday, and they're actually looking for volunteers. Martin is available at uh, Volunteer LA Bike Org or at the website through the LACBC. You can get a hold of him. Also tomorrow is, and I'm just going to plug the the bike oven just briefly. REI is having a a uh, a thing where if you bring your bike into um, uh, one of their stores, I think it's Arcadia, and there's also one going on today. I think for Microwave out in, I, I want to say Northridge, but one one of their other REIs, and you can check on REI their website to find out which one is closest. Uh, they're having, if you bring in your bike, they give you a percentage off on a new bike, and the bike collective gets the old bike. So, nice. That's uh, great. Tomorrow, the bike oven is going to be the recipient of this niceness. Um, if you have a bike and you're thinking of getting a new one, you might want to consider looking at REI's stock and, and think about doing that. And that's uh, that's it for me. I know that uh, uh, Col- Culver City has got a, a fun ride and you can always check that out i think they have a link on the lacbc and of course midnight riders so there you go thank you gentlemen thank you april you're welcome thanks april you're welcome and you're listening to bike talk on kpfk on the web podcast and of course killradio.org I'm getting